Let's Talk Therapy with Leanne Lynch and Megan Clinton. We are so happy to have you here with us. In our podcast, we talk about mothering and life and the healing gifts both bring. This podcast is about using the tools of therapy to lead an authentic life. Hello everybody and welcome to our podcast, Two Moms Talk Therapy. You're here with Leanne Lynch and Megan Clinton and we're so happy to be with you today. And I think Leanne was, you know, I love the way we start these things. Often Leanne and I have these discussions about what we're going to talk about, what's going to be in it and what I have really enjoyed about it is we start with something and then we just go off on our own thread and there's always so much beauty and wisdom and everything that comes in naturally into this process and we were just starting the conversation today and Leanne was talking about kind of just the of being of kind of not needing to speak what it feels like just to be and I think that was such a beautiful way to kind of start talking and it's interesting because I could even in this, when she was suggesting it and we were having the discussion, okay, who's going to introduce us and this, that, and the other. And then there was silence. And I noticed I didn't wait long actually before I'd sort of jumped in. I'm sort of waiting for Leanne to introduce it. And then when she didn't, I kind of filled the space. And it's so interesting how we do that in relation to somebody else, how we can step in and kind of fill that space because of what it feels like really just to to wait um, and sit with what it means to wait. Yeah, thank you so much, Megan, because I could feel the I could feel the silence. I could feel the anxiety in myself and what happens, the pressure to perform or the pressure to speak when I'm not really ready to when I don't when I'm speaking and it's the energy sometimes behind something. Uh, it's not what we're doing, it's the way that we're doing it, that when I speak from this place of anxiety, sometimes for me, it doesn't feel authentic, it just feels like it's it's fear. So, and, and my whole passion is removing the fear from my life. And, and in doing so, it is about feeling that fear, it doesn't mean that I ever feel scared, it is that I, I am willing to choose to not to respond from a place of fear and instead feel into that fear and connect with who I am and what I really want to say and how I really want to be and it's a really uncomfortable space because I'm a natural introvert and I have found that for me growing up um, I was surrounded by extroverts and that the world was an extroverted place so in order to belong in in this extrovert or to survive or to to successfully survive um that i had to i had to and again i'm using these words that i had to that i had to be somebody else or i had to do something i had to have this force and sometimes that this fear because it, it's a protection as well it's like it's it's the fear i, I find is do, is doing two things first of all it's it's forcing me it's i'm scaring myself into doing something that I don't want to do but I'm also 
And when I do that, I notice when I do that, when I scare myself or when I force myself, I have this natural fear barrier that will come up to protect myself against the fear because my body does not want to be forced and it doesn't want to be pushed and it doesn't want to be scared or coerced into doing anything. So the fear that I have then in controlling myself and enforce myself to do something is met with this fear to protect myself against that. And then the fear and anxiety is compounded. And then I've just either said something that I don't want to say. <laughs> I've said something that's in my head that's unfiltered. <laughs> or, or I'm, I've, I've lost connection. I'm frozen. So I'm just kind of waffling. I'm not really connected to who I am. And then I notice what happens is then after that, I have this anxiety afterwards from social situations that I've said something that I didn't really want to say because I wasn't um, connected. I was saying it out of this, out of fear and I wasn't really connected to who I am. And that compounds for me the difficulty and the anxiety I feel in social situations then and, and how difficult that uh, the inner conflict between wanting to stay connected with who I am versus the fear and anxiety to survive or be nice or be or for or you know to for others to think something of me what that feels like that conflict and then it's just pure anxiety the social anxiety seems to unfold and making it even more difficult to be in the world and so now it's sitting with that space and sitting with the that uncertainty of what to say and the fear around it and and connecting back with myself so it's removing the other from the equation and actually feeling what feels nice for me hmm. Hmm. Oh, that sounds beautiful it, it is it's i love that kind of it's not not it's not trying to avoid the fear it's listening to the fear but it's not coercing ourselves into doing something that um, we feel scared about where there is fear because that coercion as you say kind of first of all it's not really enjoyable and then you know your experience where you're saying you know sometimes a whole lot of things come up after that is I can so relate to that in what am I trying to say let me just take a moment I can so relate to that part where you say it gets to be compounded um, I think that's so beautiful in your words there because it is we when we when we do from that place of fear what we are doing is we are reenacting what happened when that fear first came up when we first felt like we weren't being heard or listened to or that the only way we'd be loved or accepted is we spoke into a space, if we did enter a space. And then when we force ourselves to do it in a way that we felt forced potentially when we were younger, we keep compounding that fear and that fear is just likely to get bigger and bigger. And I, I so loved what you were saying is like just sort of being with it and waiting until there's spaciousness to actually kind of speak into that space from who you are, just, just really touched me quite deeply and I can really sense in myself often that 
um, needing to speak, needing to fill that space. And part of that that I observe as well is that, you know, when we're in relation, there's a lot of complexity happening. And when we um, can be still, there are a lot of things that can result for the other person as well as a result of us being still. And when you're highly sensitive, you can feel what's starting to happen for the other person. And one of the things I do notice in my more stillness as a human being um, is that the other person can start to feel observed or watched or uncomfortable. And that because that is never my intention in life or never something I want somebody else to experience, I realize I can often speak into that space in service of the other person rather than myself. And what I find that can be so beautiful is this then when we can start to develop those authentic conversations and I can say, oh, I'm feeling this. And then the other person can say, oh, when you're quiet, I feel a little bit uncomfortable. And then that's really where the deepening happens and that kind of relational, that relational experience between two people gets to be healed around that fear for both myself and the other person. And that's when real change can take place of kind of, I think some of, one of the things that comes to mind is, you know, when we're younger, our agency often when parents parent is like, they won't accurately attune sometimes because of the way parents believe parenting should look like or because they were busy or because they were holding their own emotions. And what can happen then is that when we have our desire, our kind of, we speak our needs, we say something into the world, and when it doesn't land in the other person, we can often have that sense of, of fear of speaking, because if we speak into a space, it won't be heard, because when we were younger, there wasn't an adult there to kind of attune to us, to meet us. And I know some of my fear and I've spoken about this in different places, I'm not sure if I've mentioned it here, is a terror sometimes that comes around speaking into a space, um, particularly a big one. And, and that often has come from that misattunement um, from when I was younger. So my sense of agency is not always well developed. I'm not sure if the other will meet me because my sense when I was younger was I couldn't see how I was arising in a parenting, um, in my parents always. So it's kind of, it plays such a, a role in whether I'm quiet or whether I speak. And if I speak, there's a fear. And if I'm quiet, I notice sometimes the impact on the other. So it's just, there's so much complexity in whatever we do in life, particularly when we're in relation. And we are always in relation to other people around us. Oh, there's so much gold in what you've just spoken about, Megan. There's so much, um, you know, I don't know where to run with. I could run, I could go with any of those, <laughs> any of what you're saying. But I love what you're saying and it, it, the relationship and the other and the other, how the other is, Bren, is that, symbol of our earliest relationships with our parents and our mother in particular and how parents and that um, attunement and that misattunement uh, with our parents how that impacts 
our relationship with other people throughout our lives and and also how you know how their own they that they hadn't received the the their attunement in themselves and when we when we don't receive this how difficult it is then to actually give something it's impossible because we haven't actually received it ourselves um but what you were saying there so it's it's and it's back to that presence back to that authenticity that when you're in that presence in connected to your body the sense that you have of the other as well of the other person and the difficulty it is sometimes to to be in that complete stillness the discomfort I think which feels more and I you know we have a choice in each situation sometimes because which feels more uncomfortable to sit with the stillness or to actually coerce ourselves into something that we don't really want to do and an equal is as painful but what I find is in the stillness that there's sometimes growth like what do you mention there in relationship when the stillness that's where there's healing and that's where relationships change so when we are connected to the stillness the uncertainty the unknown and it is very difficult and quite scary um to to do that and to be with that and to be honest and to be authentic and to say what you're saying because again if you had spoken your truth as a child how that was met or how that was heard will impact your um your desire to share that with another person as an adult and how those relationships are that those core the foundation relationships within our families how they impact our relationship with the world with other people throughout our lives mm, it's so beautiful and it is that kind of that those early younger years have such an impact on how we are in the world and as i'm listening to you speaking what i have the sense of is there's there's so much information all the time and the more we attend to it and attune to it, the more we can sort of, we recognize when we've kind of, we're at our leaning edge, we're at that point of growth, we're at the point of not overwhelm, not coercion, but of touching on something that um, is coming up to be heard and coming up to be healed in our system. And that sort of playing with that is that boundary is where where the growth is. And it's like, you know, as we're relating, there is so much information coming in. And often people say, you, you know, the world has to slow down, I have to slow down. And in my sense, it's not the slowing down in what we do in the world, it is actually the internal slowing down. It's the internal slowing down so that we can attune to more more of the time because that's where the growth is that is where the change is and when we go fast internally we're missing that opportunity of growth and what happens is we then just keep the same situation comes up the same fear comes up and we kind of face it again and again as opposed to going more slowly internally resourcing ourselves as a result of that slowness internally and listening and being present to what that fear is. What does it mean? What is it bringing into our system? How does it relate to when we were younger? How is it relating to how we are now? And how is it relating into how we are in relation with the other? 
And again, is it about the other? Is it about the here and now? Um, That's so interesting. I can't hear you any longer. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're talking about, oh, and now I can. Oh, cool. I can hear you. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah that's really interesting isn't it um mm. yeah and it is about the is it here and now and you know so you're, you're talking about we are extremely sensitive creatures aren't we because we are taking in so much information about in the here and now in relationship with the other but not all of it is in relation with the other because of our our history because some of it relates to the past we live in the present, but we carry with us the past too. So we have these amazing opportunities to really heal that past um, in the present. And this changes our present and the future. And this is, I suppose, why, you know, I feel for me that I'm so passionate about parenting because here we are, we are holding with us future generations. We have this profound opportunity to change our family tree no matter how little you think that the healing you're doing it will have an amazing change in the trajectory of the future generations in your family line and how fortunate I think that we we as parents you know have this just we have the future we have the future here and it's really difficult because what I feel about our generation is we're in this cusp of change. So we're the ones kind of holding this. We're holding this. We're, we're reparenting while parenting, which, um, which is really difficult because some of the emotions are incredibly intense because when we're, what we're actually healing is not just our own, but the ancestral, the family patterns, but we're also trying to change those patterns for our children. So it's like a little dance. For me, it's this dance. Some days I'm very internal. I'm not responding to my kids in the way that I would really like to. But I trust that in those moments, in, and those days, I call them damage control days, because it's you're getting through the day with as little, creating as little damage as possible and supporting myself and just, you know, being honest with my kids and saying, I'm having big feelings today. But really trusting that in those days that, I am increasing my capacity to be with them even more and to change something for them and for their lives and, and their futures. And they're still going to have a residue. So there is going to be a residue. We're not going to dissolve it completely in our lifetime. But what we're doing is we're, we're changing the direction of something for, um, yeah, for the future which is mm -hmm. so profound imagine I'm just so excited even talking about this and how little that this internal emotional or this parenting is, is valued I think mm. yes it is it's profound and I so deeply resonate with you it, it's that opportunity to really to change how the world is and I see you know I've gone through kind of looking at a whole lot of different things through my lifetime and got to this point of going it is how we parent that gets to change the world because as you say it's both the reparenting and the parenting and what I I've so noticed I must admit is that some of the years that were particularly hard in my um, growing up and when my daughter reaches those years the things that I didn't get to heal from those times come kind of poignantly, very presently into the relationship between the two of us, which 
is beautiful because it's from the past and I get the opportunity to heal it in the here and now. And it can be quite agonizing when it's kind of trying to hold another beautiful human being and hold very excruciating feelings for myself. And something's been happening for the two of us. So one of the things, we, you know, we have a little advent calendar that we've done and it's got, you know, little craft things in each day. And then one of the days I put a slightly bigger present in it. And so Olivia got the beautiful present and then she was, she opened it. And then she, she proceeded to tell me everything she didn't like about it. And I could feel the little, the younger parts in me kind of thing really starting to, you know, having always helped as a child, having always kind of done everything I could to kind of look after and and that sort of then being told by her that this wasn't good enough, I hadn't done a good enough job. So the adult parent in me in the here and now is listening because she's not ungrateful. She's not any of those things that we can say about children. She is just expressing emotions that in that moment, um, she's using whatever's possible and the way she was doing it was through saying she didn't like all the different aspects of what she'd received. And as you say, the reparenting bit is like the me getting to listen to the little part who's starting to get quite upset inside me going, she'd, I'm trying so hard and she didn't appreciate it. And, you know, having a real little meltdown and it takes quite a lot of capacity to be able to hold our children and ourselves at the same time. And sometimes, as you, yeah, those days aren't always possible. They aren't always possible for me. And at times I can listen to a point and then also say, okay, would you like to do something else? Would you like to go on screens or something that, something that she can sometimes use to suppress her emotions so that I can redirect her and I can continue listening rather than starting to respond to her harshly. Because so often, you know, it can be tempting to that little part can come out in me and just want to say something back. And I really, while that little part does say something sometimes, most of the time I try and redirect her if possible. So she does something else. There was something else I wanted to say around that. There's something, Somebody said somewhere, and I can't remember where it was, but it was like, you know, if I feel bad, I make other people feel bad um, because I'm holding so much. And it sort of felt like it was also coming up today between Olivia and I, that it was like, I imagine the younger part of me had felt bad at some point in time. If I was sad, I couldn't be sad. I couldn't push something away. I couldn't say, I don't like that. Um, I wasn't, my choice wasn't as valued as, so, as much. And when she said to me at some point, I'm sorry, you know, I do really like this. I've just got big emotions. And I was able to say to her, there's nothing you can say that will change how I feel about you. Those are your emotions. If I feel anything, they're not about you doing something wrong. It's about something happening in me. Now, this is a concept she may kind of, it may land and it may not, but over time, she will hear that more and more. And I think that's so important because to, 
become an adult, you know, some of that fear of saying authentically, you know, we were talking about fear earlier, saying authentically what we mean about something into a space is that we will make the other person have to hold something that we don't want them to hold or we don't feel they should. And to learn that that is never what, you know, when we can both hold both our emotions, we can't do something to the other person. The only times the other person gets touched is when they've already got something painful within themselves. And then we touch them. And we don't touch them because of what we bring. We touch something that was already there and we just activate it in a way. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that example, Megan. I love that. And again, yes, yeah, sometimes it, you know, we respond in ways we don't want to. And for me, that it's it brings up their resilience that, you know, that first of all, that she comes to so beautiful that she came to you and she said, sorry, I wasn't about that. I I have really big feelings. It's just so gorgeous. And and how that was probably modeled to her by you, by, you know, by your response at times. And, you know, for me, it happens that um, actually, I don't even have to say it now because my kids just say, ma'am, you've got big feelings. Just go into your room and have a cry. (laughs) You'll be all right after that. But, but how that, that responsibility, isn't it? It's that responsibility that they don't take on board, that it's their fault or that they're responsible for our feelings. And I wonder if this is what you're, you're describing in relation to with, with the other, is that responsible, that I feel responsible for another person's feelings. And again, it's that connection with the other uh, and how that and the other, you know, in, in psychotherapy terms, um, that the other was the mother and um, when we were younger and how that that the mother moves to the other in terms of relating is with the other person but that responsibility that we feel responsible for another person's emotions and when that happens how that kind of um you know blocks that authenticity or blocks how what we really want to say uh, and also i do find that 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 my that I suppose sometimes that not everybody has that capacity um, to to have that authentic relationship. And sometimes, you know, I'm able to accept where another person is at. And sometimes I I don't need to be that authentic or you know, or not that that I'm not authentic, but but to be compassionate and be um, accepting of of where they're at and that they don't that I don't how am I um, wording this <laughs> you know some people there's are carrying a lot of pain and another trauma and 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 I don't need them to always heal or take responsibility for their stuff but in in that I there is an adjustment or an honesty in that relationship that I can accept that, that I don't always need them to apologize or need them to take responsibility, that I know the people that I can have that relationship with, that real deep relationship, that real honesty, that real connection with, that are gonna um, take take ownership of their own stuff. And there's people who don't. And, and, and I accept them for where they're at. And I accept the, the level of... Um, of the relationship of where where we're both um, because we're still connected through love and we're still connected through something else and um, yeah I suppose I just wanted to say that too. Hmm. 
yeah the, the things that i hear coming through kind of like are like safety and intimacy and stuff because we can feel the capacity of the person with us when we're in relation and and the more capacity you both have the more intimate and more authentic and the deeper relationship can go and not everybody has the same capacity as we do and it's that beautiful noticing as you're talking about uh, of knowing what the capacity is of the other person and not having an expectation that they need to be anywhere else than where they are that's so beautiful yeah, yeah. there was something I was thinking you know when um you're saying about your children um you know you just need to go to your room and I was just thinking as well you know Olivia will respond to me as well and just say it's that repair afterwards because I don't always act in alignment with my values sometimes I act out of alignment sometimes you know I was talking earlier at the moment the age she's at I can hear words that I heard wanting to come out of my mouth more than has ever happened and I think that's for the first time I'm really kind of having to be a lot more conscious of supporting myself at an even deeper level listening at an even deeper level because there's something happening between us that's got a lot more of a spark attached to it than it has when she was younger and uh, the words coming out sound very harsh so I'm having to do a lot to ensure that she doesn't get to hear them and she will hear some of them because it will be impossible for me to hold all of them back and the other bit that I think so beautiful that she said to me once she said you know I think I'll still have feelings from my childhood and I went yes absolutely there will be things I've done that and she something she tells me repeatedly about them and my perspective is that I get to listen to those experiences when I couldn't listen to them when they were younger. So she will tell me about something that happened and how scary it was. And it can be quite confronting as a parent because not only do I feel terrible about having done it and said what I did, I get to hear it again and again and again. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, oh, you know, it's like yeah, somebody coming and having a look at where you feel like bad or shame or and kind of giving it a little bit of a poke. But you know, if we as parents have the capacity to recognize why they're doing it, they're not doing it to make us feel bad. They're doing it because that experience wasn't enjoyable and they recognize when we have a capacity to listen and then they bring it back in and then it gets to be heard then. And I hear it and it's slightly different and it's less kind of provocative each time it comes, but there is something about kind of re-listening that's also part of that repair. And the other bit around her sort of saying, you know, I just thought it was so gorgeous when she said, they're gonna be things that I need to heal from. And she said, you know, I think even my children will have things to heal from, but I think their children's children, they'll be, they'll just be free of emotions when they grow up. Gorgeous, gorgeous. And I love that and what you're saying, like, you know, I want to bring back um, to the example that you used that, you know, sometimes you're able to listen to a little bit and then you uh, invite Olivia to maybe do something else, maybe go to screens and knowing that, that the, the screens is like this protective mechanism because you haven't the capacity to listen to all her feelings and and that 
that no one that in that moment that 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 it was for her benefit as well because you're sitting there and you're listening to all your gorgeous feelings there comes to a point where okay I'm not able to hold anymore so instead of causing her harm she is going to watch screens uh, and and also to know that that these come up when they're ready you know this is the feelings that are there that are suppressed will come up another time and when you have that open channel like you're you're talking about your relationship with yourself and Olivia and it's just so gorgeous that she can come to you um, later on with knowing because they have that body sense of knowing when you're ready to listen and when you're not and, and sometimes they have it naturally like sometimes my my kids will be like they'll be they'll know when I feel it's because they'll be like really um, I'm going to put goods, but they'll be really friendly with each other and they'll get on really well and they'll be laughing and joking. And then the feelings pass and then you'll see the relationship or change where they start um, fighting. <laughs> they start hurting each other. And it's like, oh, they know that actually I'm feeling better. <laughs> but it's that um, it's that lovely lovely open channel that you're talking about that that yourself and Olivia have that you can just heal and feel and to know and everything is okay oh yeah no it's there's something sort of so beautiful in that and and then that when you say the word good kind of thing and I know you're using it um in a context that's different from how it's perceived generally in the world, but they're kind of, they're, they're sensing into what's happening in the system. And there's, there's something, you know, that perception, and I think that's why we both are so deeply passionate about parenting from a place of deep connection and listening to emotions, because so much of society still sees children that are acceptable and good as behaving in a certain way. They don't get angry, they don't get upset. They're always grateful for everything. They always say thank you for everything. And, and society often expects something far greater than they would expect of any adult from a child. They just have to be these perfect human beings. And the reason they have to be perfect is because the parents don't want to ever be activated by their children. So if you can control the system, from the outside, it can look ideal and beautiful, but what's happening is everyone's getting to hold their emotions in, which will come out in some way. You know, it comes out in teenagers rebelling and taking drugs, and or it comes out with adults getting sick or, you know, exploding in some other place. There's that emotions will always find their way out through, you know, an addiction of some sort, excessive exercise or you know, scrolling on Facebook, whatever it is that, but it's that perspective that children have to be these kind of ideal little, and what even is that word ideal kind of thing? It's just this, it's kind of fake in a way. They get not to express anything and just accept everything that happens to them. There's something deeply heartbreaking in that, that we have this expectation in society of so many children. And I think that's why it's so incredibly important and incredibly challenging. As you were saying earlier, because we are mostly first generation parents who are starting to look at something and hold children differently, that so much in us can be activated while we are holding our children. 
and which makes it a lot more complicated. And it just means we need so much more support because normally, you know, we wouldn't be with our children on a one-on-one -on -one basis constantly throughout their day. So that's like, you know, an intensified relational experience as opposed to, you know, being out on a huge area where the kids, you know, played together and then they came in and everything gets kind of moderated at a different level than we do in our kind of more isolated um, ways we kind of inhabit the world at the moment. Yeah, yeah, it's gorgeous what you were saying. And there's so much again in what you're saying there, Megan. And you know that when our children have to be a certain way, you know, that split into the good versus uh, if I have to be good, then there's aspects of myself that are that are bad. And so where does this go? That bad part of me, that part that is not accepted by my family or by, by society that I've got to label as bad or not good enough. Then where does that go? Because it has to go somewhere because it doesn't it doesn't leave the body. It stays within the body. It becomes part of our shadow and it is expressed through uh, other channels um, and and it is that it is getting comfortable with those really with our own I think our own uncomfortable feelings you know I'm really passionate about that I love you and I hate you you know holding those two the you know the the duality of um you know it's because of the love that I get to feel this hate as well and the importance of of feeling hate of feeling that rage of feeling that anger of that hurt and that pain and and holding that and it's I think for me, the more I get, get the more capacity, I think, to develop that within myself and the more comfortable um, I get with my own emotions, then the more I'm able to hold um, and be with them. And there are times like that, and I'm, you know, you've talked about that, that I'm just not capable. I don't have the capacity to hold it because I'm really in a lot of pain myself as I heal my stuff and the ancestral stuff. So it's that holding and that. And sometimes I'm just not able, but but to know that that everything that we're feeling is okay and it, and it's safe to feel those things now and and they're not just yours. I think the intensity of some of those emotions now, you know, I think you you've mentioned that about you know that the flames in in the forest um, and that it just takes one you know that fire through the generations and it just takes one person to stop to stop that fire. But that person has got to face the flames, really intense flames. And that's what it is. It's quite intense because it's not just our own. Um, and our kids, some of our kids' emotions are not just theirs either. There will be, um, there will be some of a residue of, of ours and our ancestors as well. But the more capacity I have within myself in accepting my own emotions, my shadow, my good and my bad, you know, since we've mentioned mentioned this, those parts that I deem bad within myself, the more they get to gel together as a whole, that actually they're just they're just hurt parts, or they're just they have a message. They they have a message. They have something for me to to hear, um, and 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 how when I'm connected to them, how this this container that I provide for my kids allows them to stay connected to as much as as much as I'm capable of being with in themselves. And again, like it's not we're not going to get get it all. There's going to be lots that they have. But what they will gain is this 
okayness that what they feel is actually okay and the tools to to be with that that sometimes it's going to be with screens sometimes it's going to be something else but but they're actually developing their own natural mechanism as well that actually they're internalizing that um they're internalizing are the capacity that we have to be with them. So that's what they internalize within themselves to begin to hold that and develop um, develop some skills within themselves. They're, you know, it's not going to be perfect like we, we talked about, but it's, it's that change. It's that change that they're naturally going to be, that they're going to pass that on to their own children and their grandchildren and it's going down the line. That what you're feeling is actually okay. It's actually really good. It's beautiful. It's a part of you. It's a message um yeah Hmm. yes it's so beautiful and what i have a sense of when you're talking is that that um our children will have less disowned parts within themselves there will be more integration and while there might be they might have events that they need to heal from the actual parts within their own system will be more integrated. And I think that is what the gift is of being able to hear all the different parts of your children and really being able to be present to that is that that coming into the world in a more integrated sense, being able to stand in relation with noticing all the different parts of you and not making them wrong or feeling shame for having had them. And I think even one of the beautiful things Olivia can say to me is when I say to her, I'm so sorry, I said something. And she's like, it's okay. You know, you've just got big emotions kind of thing that there's a level that it doesn't land because of her understanding of how the whole system works, her, her understanding of when she gets angry, I don't get angry back at her. I sit and I listen and I listen. And then if I have moments where I get angry and something flies out, that she doesn't see that there's something wrong in her own system. She can actually see something's coming from me that actually isn't hers, doesn't relate to her. It's something that's happened for me. And I just love it when she says to me, yes, well, you've just got big emotions. And I'm like, yes, and I'm an adult. So I'm holding a different system for you sort of thing. So I'm hoping I can hold something. And she's like, yes, but you know, you're human kind of thing. And it's just like, Oh, this incredible human being, you know, as you say, we're not getting it all right, but there is something very fundamental that is changing as a result. And she's starting to go into puberty. And every now and then she can just, these emotions flood out at an intensity that is, I've never experienced before. And it can be a bit, yeah, it's a lot to hear sometimes. And and afterwards, she's just like, oh, I don't know where that came from. It just, I just was so angry with you kind of thing. She went, but it's gone now. And, and that's, that's in my sense is when you can listen to your child right the way through their emotional wave as it kind of rises up, kind of comes to a point in their system and then dissipates is that at the end, they're like, I don't understand why I got so angry with you because it, it mostly was never about what they're getting angry about or what they heard. But I can see that even though her hormones are all starting to move around and its emotions are getting bigger in a sense, there's a level within her that 
of understanding and also that there isn't as many, there aren't as many compounded em emotions as we go through this phase as they could have been if I hadn't listened as much as I have. So I have a sense while this might still be quite a fiery phase we go through, it is significantly different as a result to having listened as much as I have. I love that. And, and for her to have a different experience, like how healing, I think our children bring us and, um, you know, that remaining in connection with you, her experience of the teenage years may be significantly different to your own experience, Megan. Um, and, you know, how, you know, how, what we offer our children, you know, we're offering to ourselves. So in that healing, we're giving to them what we would have liked to receive ourselves. So we begin to receive that and give that to ourselves too, what we would have liked in those years, in every year um, for our child's life. But how beautiful that, you know, to receive that within ourselves and to also give it to them but the gifts that they bring us you know we're talking about our children here and what we give to them but it's just an incredible it's it's a it's 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 a beautiful dance a beautiful relationship beautiful healing that they also bring for us too mm, i love that is such a beautiful way to end they bring such gift of healing to us such yeah. an incredible gift it's so beautiful to receive well that was <laughs> We did not know that this was going to lead us here, Megan, did we? <laughs> no, I love our conversations. They just start somewhere. And we were talking earlier, like, where, what do we talk about? And I went, I, I just have the sense we need one point to start off and then it takes us somewhere. And I love the flow of these. And I always trust what comes into our conversations deeply. Yeah, yeah, that was, you know, that was really, really interesting. Uh, and there's a lot of information in that. Um, mm lot so thank you so much for listening to us and we hope to see you again at our next podcast yes thank you so much bye bye